For those that don't know the Benders, they served as missionaries in South Korea for so many years and were in Arkansas in ministry and for the past 18 years have been uh, serving out of the, uh, the missions office of the Baptist Bible Fellowship. And so their heartbeat is missions and uh, sharing the gospel and uh, teaching and training others to be able to better communicate, to do a better job. I'm sure I've already been critiqued uh, based on our conversations last night. I know I, at least I'm not doing all this while I'm talking. Uh, but uh, anyway, I look forward to uh, what Brother Bender has for us. And so would you do me a favor and welcome the Associate Missions Director for the Baptist Bible Fellowship, Steve Bender. Well, good morning. Thank you very much for the invitation to be here and uh, share with you this morning. Janelle and I have been looking forward to it. <clears throat> We've been to Battlefield on two other occasions. Uh, we came here in 2008 and then again in 2010 for your missions revival. And so uh, to be invited back for this special historic day uh, here at Battlefield Baptist Church is an, is an honor to us. And we're thankful that we can come and be a part of it. I'm thankful that Janelle and I both could be here. Uh, we're partners in ministry for almost 37 years now uh, that God has given us together and looking forward to many more. You know, I, I was thinking about, uh, as Janelle was singing the song, to be still. A couple of weeks ago, Janelle and I were, and our daughter went, to, uh, went on vacation, and uh, we have a... Uh, I'm not sure what to really call it, but we, we enjoy Walt Disney World, okay? There you go. And so we go there every year for vacation, and we were sitting in a ride called the Carousel of Progress, one that Walt Disney uh, designed and put together for the World's Fair in New York back in the 60s, and, and it's uh, still there at Walt Disney World today. And in part of that Carousel of Progress, it creates, it goes around the century, and uh, and <clears throat> highlights the changes that are taking place. And on the one of the last ones he talked about, we're living in now what they call the rat race. This was in the 60s. We're living in the rat race. And I thought about that. That thought just came to my mind as Janelle sang the song, Be Still. We're living in a rat race, are we not? I know it's a term that's not really used today, but living in the Washington, D.C. area, and I know you understand what that is. And we get so caught up in all of the things that are taking place in our world today. We're in this rat race, and sometimes we just simply need to be still. We need to be still and know, as the song said, that the God who created us is fighting for us. Because we're living in a difficult time. And we need that assurance on a daily basis. Because... We have a mission. <clears throat> first things first, right? And the gospel must first be published among all nations. That's what Jesus told us to do. That's what he said. That's the theme of your mission's revival for this year that will begin on October the 3rd. And I'm excited. I wish we could be a part of that because I know the excitement that takes place here and the passion and the, 
and the, the drive that goes out not just because of what you're doing for those few days, but because of what those few days allow you to do through your missionaries and those 118 missionary projects around the world where they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, seeing lives changed and people developing and, and, and growing in their faith in Jesus Christ and churches being planted and the whole cycle going over and over and over. And that's what it's all about. And we're praying for you that you'll reach this $376,000 faith promise goal for this year and that you far exceed that by your faith for the coming year. Because guess what? I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming very soon. Do you? I believe I've heard that all my life and, you know, I'm 62 years closer now to that happening than when I was first born, but we do know that it is a fact. We do know that it's going to take place and we do know that Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, so we better get about that and we better continue on. I, I wanted to ask you a question this morning in your <clears throat> preparation for your missions revival. Uh, we're here for the Baptist Bible Fellowship national meeting that'll take place the rest of this week and so pastor greg said hey why don't you come and preach for us and, and we'd love to have janelle sing and i said we'd love to do that and our missions revival's coming up and so as i began to pray and, and my heartbeat is missions and so i thought i, I want to bring a missions message to kind of uh be a a, a a a a beginning for your missions revival to get you thinking that way, although you don't really need my help. You decorate for missions. You talk about missions. It's a heartbeat that you have. But in that, let me ask you a question this morning, <clears throat> a personal question, not as Battlefield Baptist Church, but as an individual. What is your attitude towards the Great Commission? As an individual, what is your personal attitude toward the Great Commission. Now, as I mentioned that, a lot of people commonly refer to that as missions. They refer to it as money whenever you start talking about missions. And, and certainly we've mentioned money and the missions goal that you have already. But let me say to you this morning that missions, and I probably said it when I was here before, missions has never, ever been about money. Missions will never, ever be about money. Missions has been and always will be about our heart. The Bible says in Matthew 20, or 6 and verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I believe the opposite of that is true as well, that where your heart is, you will invest your treasure. Do you agree with me on that? <clears throat> Let me illustrate that. Since we were here last, our children, our, our son and his wife, have, have had two little boys. Jackson, who is six, and Jace, who will soon be two. Jackson and Jace, when we're in town, Janelle Lala, as she's affectionately called, watches our two grandchildren three days a week. On those days that I come home that she's been watching our grandchildren, I'm not surprised if there's not a new purchase in the house. In fact, I think we built one of the five Walmart supercenters in Springfield, Missouri. 
because she loves our grandchildren, as do I. And she could probably clean out our bank account, wouldn't take long, but she could clean out our bank account, investing in our grandchildren, and you know what? I wouldn't care. You know why? Because those two little boys have our hearts. Can you relate with that? Do you understand that? That your children, your grandchildren, they, they, they grab a hold of your heart and you don't mind. Now, we don't invest. We don't buy them everything they want, just close to it. But we, we, we love those little boys, and we're willing to put into them. What I'm saying is this, that if we truly are moved by the things of God, if we truly put first things first and are concerned about preaching the gospel and publishing it among all nations, there's not going to be too much problem with us investing our funds. As we think about the Great Commission, what would commonly be mo the most two quoted verses related with the Great Commission? Would you agree with me that probably Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20 would be the Great Commission that most people would quote in a nutshell? How many would agree with that? Okay, most all of us would. Most all of us would say that the Great Commission is when Jesus told his disciples, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then he said to them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I believe that most Christians today would relate that as the common Great Commission. The problem is this, most Christians know these verses by heart. At least if they don't know them verbatim, they know the gist of what Jesus told the disciples to do. Most know these verses, but fail to see the need to fulfill them. That's surprising, isn't it? Most Christians know these verses, but they fail to see the need to fulfill them. Today, and I use the term loosely, today in the Christian world, the church, the Great Commission, missions, has been confused with good works, with humanitarian efforts. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not opposed to humanitarian efforts and good works. I believe that we are supposed to be involved in areas of good works and humanitarian efforts but they are to be prioritized with first things first. Publishing the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ among all nations. Everything else should be secondary. Missions today has wrongly been redefined in many circles as community service. Again, I would say that missions community service is a form of getting the gospel but it has to be deliberate. The church has been given the responsibility of evangelizing the world. That's what Jesus told us to do. He said, put first things first. To publish the gospel. What? Oh, my coat. Pastor's pointing out, he said, you look like a doof. <laughs> He didn't say that, but his face, he said, 
Anybody else notice I buttoned my coat wrong? <laughs> you know what happened? When I, when I was sitting here and, and talking, I, I pulled the bottom button up to the top hole. <laughs> and it doesn't look right, does it? You know why? Because that's not the way the jacket was designed. The designer designed the jacket just as it is. And the bottom button was designed to go into the bottom hole and so forth. Look a little better? <laughs> Looks a little better now, right? Because that's the way it was designed to be. Now, that brings me to a question. What is the purpose of the button on the jacket? The purpose of the button on the jacket is to hold the jacket together. Is that right? Of course. So it doesn't fly open or whatever. So it's to hold the jacket together. That's the purpose. It still fulfilled the purpose when I had it buttoned wrong. It just didn't look right, did it? It wasn't the way the designer intended it to be worn. He intended it to be worn like this. The problem with missions is this. When we think of the Great Commission... We think of those verses where Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We start at verse 19 of Matthew chapter 28. I believe, and we've done a very, very good job of reaching out into the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, the unsaved, the, un, the population that does not know Jesus Christ in our world today is greater than it ever has been in the past. We're not reaching the world for Jesus Christ as God intended for us to do. We're not having the impact that we should have. We're making a good impact, and Battlefield Baptist has had a great part in that. For years, you've invested in missions and sent out missionaries, and you've had missions revival and revived your own spirit and your passion for doing so and I applaud you for that. But I do think this, that if we go back to the beginning, the way that Jesus intended for the Great Commission to be presented, we might do a better job than what we've been doing. Let me ask you again, what is your attitude toward the Great Commission? Let's look back at our full text this morning as was read by our brother before we, as we first started the service. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20, the Bible says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That, I want to suggest to you this morning, is the entirety of the Great Commission as Jesus intended it to be for his disciples and for you and I. So let me ask you again, what is your personal attitude toward fulfilling 
the Great Commission. What is your attitude? I looked up the word attitude one time, and I found this. Attitude is an inward feeling expressed in outward actions. Do you agree with me? An inward feeling expressed in outward action. Let me try to illustrate it for you. I have those two grandsons, Jackson and Jace. Jackson is six, almost seven years old. Jackson sometimes doesn't always do what Lala or Papa tells him to do. Sometimes he does what Jackson wants to do as a six-year-old. Then he gets the statement that I got as a child and probably you got. Jackson, what you need is an attitude adjustment. Anybody ever said that? You ever heard that before? An attitude adjustment. Why? Because what they say, what they say, what they feel on the inside is not coming out through their actions. So what is your attitude toward the Great Commission? That inward feeling expressed in outward actions. I was asked a few years ago to preach a booster missions Sunday at a church. Janelle and I were invited. We were a part of that. She sang that evening, and, and, and I spoke on missions. But before we went, I asked the pastor, Sir, would you mind giving me some statistics about your church? This church was noted as a great missions church. Do you know what that means? When a missionary says, that's a great missions church, or another pastor, that usually means they give a lot of money to missions. That's what a, a great, uh, sorry, I kind of blocked out the, they give a lot of money to missions. That's what it means. Uh, they're a great missions church. It doesn't mean just that, but they have a heart for mission. This church was known as a great missions church. I asked the pastor, I said, would you mind giving me some statistics about your church? I want to know how many families attend your church on a regular Sunday morning on average. And then of those families that attend, how many of them give faithfully to the missions program of your church? And they use the Faith Promise program as well. He said, okay, I, I can do that. He said, I can't give you names. I said, I'm not asking for names. This church ran almost 1,200 people in attendance on Sunday morning, 1,200 people. I don't know what you run, but they ran 1,200. They gave that year right at $300,000 for missions. He said, of the 1,200 people that attend our church, there are 517 families that are represented. I said, okay, 517. Of those 517 families of this great missions church, how many of them consistently give to the Faith Promise mission program? The number was 226 out of 517. Not quite half. It's a great missions church. You know what that means in this great missions church? That meant that less than half of the people their attitude toward the Great Commission matched what they said because their attitude is their outward actions. So half of the people, let's divide it right here, a little, little less. This half is involved in giving to missions. This half 
likes the hoopla. They like to scream and holler and shout, but that's as far as it goes. It was pretty staggering to me. I don't know statistics about your church. I didn't ask. But you know, because you know what your personal attitude is. You know if missions revival is simply just a good time, a time of fellowship, of Christian brothers and sisters coming together, getting to hear about the world around us, enjoying fellowship and food and talking with missionaries and giving things to them and feeling good about doing so. And I applaud all of that. But it can't stop there. It's got to go forward. Now I did say, missions is not about money. Because quite frankly, I could care less how much money you give. You say, well, we gave, we're going to, We're going to track to give $376,000 this year. And that is wonderful. Because I know the impact that those dollars can have on people hearing the gospel. That's wonderful. But if you're doing it for pride, I could care less. But if your heart is moved to get first things first, to publish the gospel to all nations, to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, if that is your drive, if that's what's behind your attitude, and you're saying, Pastor, we will give by faith. We're asking God to increase this year that we can do more than we've ever done. Then God bless you. And that's what it's all about. Well, I guess I better start preaching. Let me start with this statement. Every Christian here, everyone, can have an effective part in effectively fulfilling the Great Commission by possessing and expressing these three attitudes. Every one of us can have a part in effectively fulfilling the Great Commission by possessing and expressing these three attitudes. First of all, we need to express possess and express an attitude of obedience. Look with me back in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 16. The Bible says in verse 28 of uh, chapter 28 and verse 16, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. You see verse number 16 tells us this and we look at it and I say, well, why did they go to Galilee? Why did the disciples go to Galilee? Because that's where Jesus told them to be. If we can possess and express an attitude of obedience, I believe God's people today, have many of us have lost that, that, that attitude of obeying the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what he tells us to do. The disciples in that day went to Galilee because that's where Jesus told them to go. They obeyed him and they expressed it in their life with their actions. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 32, the Bible says that Jesus said, After I am risen again, I will go before you 
into Galilee. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 7, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he go before you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 10, and Jesus said unto them, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16, our text verse, then the 11 disciples went into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. These disciples were exactly where Jesus told them to be. They were obedient. You know what the problem is today? I find a lot of people today are not serving Christ because they're not obedient to God's call upon their life. People ask me, said, why do we have less and less missionaries in the Baptist Bible Fellowship and in other organizations around the world today when the population is growing, when our command to publish the gospel to all nations has never changed? Why do we have less people? I said, I believe it's because people are not obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to what he wants them to do. I don't know why God called Janelle and I to go to South Korea. I didn't know all of the things that were going to transpire in my life and in our life when we surrendered and went to Bible college and we went to Korea and then he took us from there to Arkansas and then from there to the missions office of the Baptist Bible Fellowship. In fact, it might have scared me to death as a young man when God first called me to preach to go to Bible college had I known the end of the route. But God takes us step by step through his obedience. I believe to effectively fulfill the Great Commission, every Christian must possess and express that attitude of obedience. Secondly, I believe that every Christian must possess and express an attitude of worship. In verse number 17, the Bible says, And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. May I say to you this morning that before we can properly serve the Lord, properly serve the Lord, we must learn to worship the Lord. And just because we have singers and musicians on the platform, and just because we stand there and mouth words does not necessarily mean that we are worshiping the Lord. You see, worship is a heart attitude. It's expressed in our outward actions. And we can stand and be stoic but worship God. But how many people, as I stand in churches, are looking around and doing everything but worshiping God? The Bible says, and there they worshiped him, but some doubted. There were some like Thomas that it took them a moment. It took them a little while to understand everything. And I understand that. But I believe in our church today, in our churches, I'm using the word uh, all-inclusive. We've tried to present a program as worship. And the hearts of God's people may or may not be intertwined in that program. Does that make sense to you? Jesus said, I want you to be obedient. I want you 
to worship me. And thirdly, to adequately fulfill the Great Commission, I believe every Christian should possess and express an attitude of submission. In verse number 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You see, Jesus told them, I want you to be obedient. And he said, I want you to worship me, but some doubted. And so in response to their hesitation, he spoke to them to give them reassurance. He spoke to them and said, listen, all power has been given unto me. You know what that literally means? All authority, everything. I have the power. I have the authority. The problem today in 2018 is that we have a problem with authority. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that people in all walks of life, and we see it from every area of our life today, people have a problem with authority, and they want to challenge it, and they want to uh, uh, protest it, and they want to do instead of just saying, yes, I understand, there are some things that we need to agree with and we need to abide by, and the number one thing is that Jesus is God. And Jesus has all authority. And it hurts me to to my soul when Christians say, I know what the Bible says, but. You know what we're saying when we say that? I know what God's word says, but I'm not subject to that authority. And that is wrong. God wants you and I to bow our knees to him to submit to his authority, to say, God, whatever you want, I'm yours. So he says, if you will have in your heart and expressed through your life an attitude of obedience to me, if you will have in your heart and expressed through your life an attitude of worshiping me. If you will have in your heart and express through your life submission to my authority. What does he say? If you will do those three things, if you will have those attitudes and you will live them out, the next verse. Now go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we've done that. And we've said, Lord, we want to put first things first. We want to publish the gospel in all the nations. And we've given money And we've sent missionaries. And we've done an adequate job. But we haven't done the best that we could do. You know why? Because I believe there are way too many of God's people that are not obedient, that don't worship him 
that don't submit to his authority and don't go. But Jesus said, if you'll do that, I'll use you because I have all authority and all power. I'm convinced from past visits at Battlefield Baptist Church that there are many, many men and women and young people who know Jesus Christ as their Savior and are willing to serve him and are willing to be involved. But I also realize that there are people that slide back that don't have that same passion and drive as they once had. And I believe that God wants to rekindle that wants to revive that in our lives today. I also believe that there's some people, I don't know who and I don't know how many, that are in this auditorium right now who have never surrendered and been obedient to the Holy Spirit and his call in their life for salvation. You're here, maybe you've been coming for 20 or 30 years or 20 days, I don't know, but you've never really trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, you're the reason we're here, because we want you to know the love of Jesus. We want you to receive God's love through his Son and eternal life. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.